Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today we have with us a very special guest. He is the CEO of the International Trademark Association, the INTA, which is this association that's been around since 1878. Uh, the headquarters are in New York. It has offices in Brussels, Santiago, Shanghai, Singapore, Washington, you know, you name it. They are all over the world. And we have with us today here, Mr. Etienne Sanz Diacero. So welcome to the show, Etienne. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Queen. How are you doing? Very good. Before we get into all of this, please tell us what exactly you guys do. Yeah, sure. I mean, we're the biggest brand owners organization. We're in total 7,200 big corporations, SMEs, entrepreneurs, and law firms from all around the world. Uh, In total, around 32,000 individuals from 190 countries that are involved within INTA. We're a not-for-profit. And our mission is to get better laws to equally protect brand owners and consumers. That uh, sounds very simple, but it's a very complex uh, duty. And we try to do our best to, as I said, you know, protect brands, promote brands, and also make sure that, you know, consumers can purchase in a safe environment. So when I apply for a trademark registration for my business or my brand, does it go through ITA? No, it goes, you know, so normally, you know, you would register your trademark uh, within the IP office of, you know, the respective countries because trademark Mm -hmm. rights are granted on a national basis. In some countries, it's going to be just through use. In others, it's going to be through a formal registration. And that's a kind of administrative process. What we do is we... Uh, provide support to the IP offices in terms of training their examiners. We talk to legislators to get better laws. We do impact studies to raise awareness on the importance of, you know, intellectual property. And Mm -hmm. we kind of educate businesses and entrepreneurs on the importance of registering the rights. Uh, You cannot, you know, when you're a business or you're an entrepreneur, you cannot go out there without, you know, a branded product that's going to really minimize your chances to be successful in the market. Okay. And do you think with, with time, are things get, are getting better now or are they getting worse when it comes to infringing on the trademarks? Well, I think, you know, of course, you know, now we have internet that has been in existence for, you know, 25 to 30 years. And that's, you know, a phenomenal opportunity for businesses to grow, to be present globally. But that's also an equal opportunity for counterfeiters to, you know, to replicate what you're doing and somehow confuse consumers. So it's a, it's a kind of, you know, balanced situation. Yeah. So when do you think a brand owner should apply for a trademark? Is it right when they're planning things or should they get into it uh, after they already think the business is successful? So right from the very beginning. You know, if you plan to register your trademark only when you're successful, it might be far too late. And mm-hmm. it might be far too late because you might have third parties that are going to be copying what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Or it might simply be that, you know, because you don't have, you know, your rights registered, 
you're not going to have access to uh, funding, to financing from third parties, or you're not going to be able to perhaps, you know, license your products. So as soon as you're starting, you know, a business plan, as soon as you're starting to develop an idea, you should always think about, you know, your branding strategy and your registration strategy. A brand to a business is the same as a surname to a person. You cannot go out without, you know, your name and surname. Well, as a business, you cannot go out without a brand. So the INTA was founded in uh, 1878. That's 140 something, 142 years. Is it still up to date? Does it need, you know, new technology? Are you guys working on that? Or uh, oh yeah, so yes. We're probably monitoring, you know, how you know change and innovation is impacting industry and how it's impacting intellectual property and therefore brands and trademarks. Uh, but we're also looking very much at, you know, uh, changes in consumer trends. And we're noticing a lot of that. As we mentioned before, you know, uh, internet, you know, just appeared in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Since then, you know, we've had the explosion of social media. Uh, we currently have almost, you know, four to five generations that are coexisting at the moment. We talk, of course, a lot about, you know, the Gen Zers, the millennials, but, you know, we have as well, you know, the baby boomers. We have other generations. And all these consumers are in the market and they have different behaviors. And it's important for businesses to understand that and to interact the right way. And it's also important for brands to understand that issue. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that. Are the younger generations more protective of their own IP and more respectful of other IPs? Or it doesn't make a big difference from generation to generation when it comes to respecting others' IP or or their own? So we recently, you know, issued a study on, you know, uh, Gen Z insights on brands and on counterfeit products. And I think mm-hmm. it's a very interesting. It was a study that was performed in 10 countries worldwide. So we had the United States, we had China, we had Italy, we had Russia, uh, we had uh, countries in Asia and Latin America. And the trend is very similar. And what is interesting is that 79% of Gen Zers have a strong respect for the value of people's ideas and creations. And that means somehow there is a strong respect for, you know, intellectual property or intellectual creation from other parties. Uh, 74% of Gen Zers feel that it's important to buy genuine products. However, of course, you know, they cannot afford necessarily buying those genuine products and they're still buying, you know, some counterfeits. Now, talking about, you know, the respect for IP and the need to buy genuine, I think that's somehow related to, you know, the idea of, you know, being ethical, of being fair. Um, And I think that's something that is probably more specific to this younger generation, to the Gen Zers. However, I think, you know, the concept of respect for intellectual property is something that has been existing over years. So being on the outside, I've always heard and I'm under the understanding that one of the biggest infringers is China. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that still the case? Is something being done to, to stop that, to educate them? Well, I think it's... It's definitely true. That's still the case today. However, I would, I would probably, you know, um, 
raise two caveats to, to that idea. The first one is that uh, now you see strong brands, strong Chinese brands that are being counterfeited as well. I'm yes. thinking about brands such as Huawei, Lenovo, and other brands of these types. So it's not just a one country issue. And second, Queen, you're originally from Portugal. I'm originally from Spain. And both our countries were countries where, you know, counterfeiters, you know, were countries where, you know, a lot of counterfeits were produced kind of 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, the economies of those two countries have developed in a way that now there are, you know, the branded economies, there are strong brands that are issuing from those countries. So the more you develop the economy of the country, the more you're going to be promoting, you know, branded uh, products, branded services, and that's the normal path of things. Yeah, I can see that coming. So you mentioned global trends earlier. So these, of course, there's trends that are happening in bigger scales than before, or at least now we can see them because of the social media. Uh, This, of course, impacts the work you do. Does it impact it in a negative way or a positive way? Well, I think both ways. You know, I think I said before, talking about internet, internet is a great opportunity and it's a great challenge at the same time. When we talk about change, when we talk about innovation, if we talk particularly about artificial intelligence or blockchain or, you know, uh, big data, uh, I mean, these, of course, might be challenges for, you know, businesses, for individuals, but at the same time, they represent great opportunities. Now, from, let's say, a brand owner's perspective, there are some challenges nowadays. Uh, and these are, of course, you know, uh, counterfeiting that is probably, you know, continues to grow. And that's a big concern. Uh, we have also the issue of a growing anti-IP sentiment where, you know, quite often people think that brands are just for the big corporations, only for the multinationals. However, you know, we should never forget that 90% of businesses worldwide are SMEs, they're entrepreneurs. And even those big corporations, you know, within their supply chain, they're often using, you know, small businesses. And finally, these multinationals, most of them, they started as just an idea as a small business. So thinking, and this is what some of our policymakers are doing, thinking that intellectual property and brands is only for the big corporations and only benefiting a few is clearly a mistake. On top of that, if we look at how trademark-intensive industries are contributing to the economies of the different countries, we've done, you know, some kind of studies on that, and it's very obvious that, you know, trademark-intensive industries do contribute to GDP, to employment, and social welfare in the different countries. Yes, so as somebody that has a a small brand, it can also be affected by, uh, you know, making the sale of fakes, right? And of course, the bigger brands are a bigger target as well. Mm-hmm. So how can someone like me, that is not a huge brand, how can someone like me protect my brand? And if I do need help, who do I go to? So as I said, you know, starting point is when you have an idea, when you're developing a business plan, you should immediately think about, you know, how I'm going to protect my rights. And this mm-hmm. is quite often through a trademark, through a design. That's something that is fairly easy to do. You can do that online. We can do that with the IP office within your country. I mean, 
uh, you're based in Canada, the Canadian IP office has, you know, a very helpful website where it explains very easily, you know, what are the different steps to register your rights. That's a fairly easy, you know, um, step to take. And then, of course, you know, if when you are on the market, you know, somebody's kind of, you know, copying your products, you know, using your same trademark or one that is very similar, you will probably need professional advice. And then you need to go to an IP lawyer, to an IP practitioner, and you need to think, you know, what is the balance between, you know, uh, suing somebody else or, you know, starting a cease and desist letter or going through a full process. That's something that you'll have to assess based on, you know, how uh, relevant this is going to be for your company. Yes. So you mentioned earlier that you, you guys have uh, brand owners from all over the world. How can a brand owner join the organization? Is that possible? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is, you know, all the information, of course, is available on our website. So www.inta.org. Uh, we're a membership-driven organization, so we're here to help our members. There is, of course, a membership fee to become a member. And in exchange of that, first, you get a lot of information about what's going on worldwide in terms of legislation. Second, we provide a lot of resources, particularly for, you know, legal practitioners and IP lawyers. And that might be a little technical. But we also, for businesses in general, we provide some general information about, you know, branding strategies, trends, data that might be relevant. And on top of that, we organize webinars, we organize conferences. We have a huge annual meeting every year where professionals from all around the world meet and exchange best practices, exchange clients. Uh, you should not forget that when you know a business uh, becomes relevant enough to start exporting products or services, you'll need to register your rights in your different you know key markets, and for that you will need you know external support. Etienne, did the INTA also start a podcast recently? Yeah, so we did. We uh, kind of a year and a half ago we started a podcast. Uh, which is called Brand and New, and it's uh, it has become a very popular podcast. Of course, it's more about you know intellectual property issues, but from a broad sense, looking into you know all kind of topics. So we've been looking at the, you know the impact of change. We've been looking at the impact of innovation. Now we're going to be talking about women and IP. Uh, we are trying to you know not only explain what are the trends, but also give some good tips for businesses and particularly for IP lawyers. And in talking about tips, I was given a tip about a month ago uh, to register a trademark for one of my brands in China because mm -hmm. that that's where it get, it's made. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, I was told if it gets knocked off, more than likely that's where it's going to be done. So is that a good idea to have a trademark in China? And is that protectable? If, oh, yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, you can, again, you know, uh, you can register your trademarks, uh, you know, by the Chinese IP office. And uh, if you are, you know, producing, I mean, most of the businesses, what they have in China is more kind of, you know, production units. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they export those products into, you know, the different markets. So if you're producing in China, yes, it's definitely a very good idea to, you know, register your rights in China no matter whether you're distributing them in China as well or not. If on top of producing, you do distribute, you do commercialize in China, yes, absolutely, you should register in China. 
my advice to any business is, you know, you might not afford to register your right in each and every country. That's totally normal. But you need to think which are your key markets as of today and what might be your potential key markets in the future. And bear in mind that registering your rights in those markets is not a cost. It's really an investment. It's an investment to, you know, protect your trademarks, to protect your brands, to make them more visible and to add more value to them as intangible assets. In every niche that I look into, there's always some sort of misconception, mistakes that entrepreneurs do. Do you see something in your field that is a common mistake entrepreneurs do as well? Well, I think, you know, the common mistake, and you already referred to that, is the fact that quite often, you know, they do not register the rights, or when they register the rights, it's too late. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you asked me before, you know, should I register when I'm successful? No, you should register beforehand. So there's also something that if somebody starts a brand and does not register it, do they, and it's not, not trademarked or anything, do they have some sort of rights to that brand if somebody else wants to, a year later, register that brand that somebody else has been using? Well, yes and no. That will very much depend on the country. I mean, there mm -hmm. are some countries where, you know, it's kind of, you know, a, let's say registration through use. Uh, and there are other countries that where it's really, you know, you need to register first formally to get any kind of rights. So it's, you know, what we call, you know, priority of rights. Very good. So you mentioned 72 trademark owners are, are members of the INTA, correct? No, uh, 7,200. Yes, yeah, 7,200. How many employees does the INTA have? I mean, we're a fairly small organization for the amount of, you know, companies and firms that are members. We're in total around 70 staff and we're split uh, between the New York office, which is the headquarters of the organization. And we have rep offices in D.C., in Brussels, in Beijing, in Singapore, in Santiago de Chile and permanent representatives in Delhi and in Geneva. Amazing. Amazing. Is there any changes coming up soon, something to, in the near future? Well, uh, no, not really. I mean, we are, you know, we are working into our digital transformation, which is kind of an internal project to make our website far more appealing and more informative, not only to our members, but to third parties. So I would probably recommend anyone to perhaps visit our website, but bear in mind that, you know, probably let's say six months, one year from now, it's going to be a completely revamped website and, and certainly hopefully more appealing. Uh, the other major um, event we have is our annual meeting that will take place in April, April 25th to 28th in Singapore, where we do expect more than 10,000 professionals from all around the world to talk about you know intellectual property, trademarks and brands. Very good. So... There's another thing that a lot of people that decide to register their own trademark. For somebody brand new, it may be a daunting process. It could be very hard or confusing, right? Uh, do you recommend people to register their own trademark? And if you do or don't, is there any changes coming to, to make that process a little easier? I'm not sure I heard the entire question. Oh. Sorry. A lot of people register their own trademark. 
And for somebody starting out or the first time they do it, that could be a very hard process, very confusing process. So do I want to know if you recommend people to try registering their own or going directly to an attorney and, and get it done with the attorney? Um, that's a difficult question. I would say if you're well informed about how trademarks function and how to make sure that your trademark is distinctive enough and it's going to really differentiate your products and services from your competitors, you can probably do that by yourself and go online and register with the IP office. However, it's always a good practice to go to an IP lawyer, to an IP professional, and check whether you know your application for registration has good chances of success. And that will very much depend on whether you know the sign you pretend to register is distinctive enough, whether it's not descriptive of the products and services you want to register it for, and whether there are any other prior rights already existing into the market. So my answer is kind of, you can do that by yourself, but you know, sometimes you know, getting some kind of advice from a professional is definitely a good idea. And again, it's gonna be an investment for the future. Definitely is. And uh, big brands like Amazon give privileges to brand owners that do what they call brand registry on Amazon. And to do brand registry, it is mandatory to have a trademark. So I'm guessing that is helping somehow the, the process and the flow of having people safe their businesses, right? Absolutely. But let me very, let me be very clear on that. You know, Amazon is an INTA member for sure. But, you know, one thing is registering your right with Amazon. And that's just for, you know, the usage on the Amazon platform. But a different issue is to register your trademark with, for example, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office or the Canadian IP Office or the Mexican IP Office. If you want to have full coverage in the market, you need to register with the official IP Office. When you register with a platform, be it Amazon, be it Google, be it whatever, you're just getting some kind of protection or recognition within that platform, but that's not even, you know, a full legal protection. Mm -hmm. So these are kind of two different things. Very good, very good point. And uh, another thing is th there's seven different things that you can register for different marks. So one could be uh, the name, which is the most common, I'm guessing. And if I do register a name, do you have to register ever every SKU that is under that brand? every unit no 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 absolutely not you know and, and again i was mentioning before that you know you need to make sure that you know the sign that you're registering uh because it cannot be it can be a word but it can be a combination of you know the word and and colors and you know some design into it it can be a logo but what is really important is that you know your the sign you're registering is distinctive and is not descriptive and you need to make sure as well that it's not the same or similarly confusing to something that already exists into the model. Exactly. And for for those that are listening, that want to know more and they want to learn more and probably even attend the uh, the meeting in Singapore if they wish, where can they find you and where can they find more information? So the old information is available on our website. As I said, it's www.inta.org. 
And if they have any further queries, we have, you know, customer service and we're always happy to answer any kind of questions. Awesome. I also have those show notes and your social media tags on uh, on the show notes there, those links, I mean. And Etienne, it was a huge pleasure having you here and we'll definitely stay in touch. All right. Thank you very much, Green. Thank you. Thank you.